This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions, recorded live in the city of Melbourne. Today's big question, how can we live amidst the busyness of life? And to help us, we have Peter Adam join us. Peter is a vicar emeritus of St. Jude's Anglican Church in Carlton. He's the author of many books and regularly speaks around the world. In 2012, Peter was awarded an OAM for his services to the Anglican Church and to theological education. Please welcome Peter Adam. Peter, welcome back to Bigger Questions. You've been on the show before. I have. And you've come back. Yes, in my busy life, I've found time to come back. Very good. Okay. So, Peter, what exactly does a vicar emeritus do? Well, it's a great job because it sounds impressive. There's no money in it. (laughs) Right. uh, And the duties are ill-defined. Wow. Basically, uh, it's a a base for me to do my ministry around Australia and around the world. And I report back every now and then on what I've been doing. And so what have you been doing? Have you been busy? I've been very busy this year. Yeah? No, it's actually not too bad. Um, I supervise research students in theology. Uh, I speak at conferences, preach at churches, mentor people in ministry, pray, and that seems to take up quite a bit of time. Right. Well, to kick off bigger questions, we like to ask a couple of smaller questions. We do try to have a bit of fun on the show. Today, we're talking with Peter Adam about crazy busy, how we can live amidst the busyness of life. So Peter, in today's quiz, I'm going to test you on being busy. Now, do you feel qualified at all? I have been busy. Right. Well, okay. Well, that's probably qualifications enough then. (laughs) Anyway, okay. So there's two questions, both multiple choice. So question one, according to askamanager.org, How should you respond when your boss asks, are you busy? Should you say, A, no, we can go for a long lunch. Or should you say, B, yes, I'm finding it very hard to get to the next level of Candy Crush. Or should you say, C, busy doing what? Or D, should you say, I'm keeping busy, but I can make time. What's up? So how should you respond when your boss asks how... I think I'd go for D, for safety's sake. Well, <laughs> so, well, surprise, surprise, it's actually correct. It is actually D, yes. Uh, you are keeping busy, but I can make time once up. The other ones, of course, probably not... Not good exi- Not not wise. Not wise, no, not, not necessarily. Wise. But we'll talk about maybe why that is in a second. Question two. In a recent global survey, what percentage of Generation Y, so those born after 1980, admitted that they sometimes pretend to be busier than they actually are. So this is a percentage that claim to be, sometimes tend to be busier than they actually are. Was it A, 0%? They're all flat out trying to make it in the world. Was it B, 24%? A number occasionally bend the truth about their actual busy state. Was it 51%? C, just over half pretended to be busier than they actually are. Or was it D, 100%? They're all lazy slackers who never do any work at all. Well, I'd go for 75. 75, but that wasn't one of the options. I know, that's right. That's right. That's right. Well, so that's kind of, that's interesting. Well, maybe you want to choose one of the A, B, C or D just to... I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Rob, of course. Yes. C. C. The correct answer is actually C, yes. 51% pretend to be busier than they actually are. Uh, It's also interesting that whilst over half of Gen Y pretended about 4 out of 10, 40% of people overall all claimed sure, sure. to be busier than they actually were. Have you ever claimed to be busy when you're not actually busy? Uh, yes, yes, when I want to avoid somebody, that's what I say. <laughs> okay. that's right. 
But you said you were busy before, didn't you? Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, we won't. Yeah, uh, we won't go into that. I said I have been. Yeah. Busy. <laughs> okay. So anyway, congratulations, Peter. In our busyness quiz, you got two out of two correct. You're 100 percent right. Congratulations. Have you given a you. round of applause? Thank you. Thank you, Rob. So why do you think many of us pretend to be busy? Well, I think our society values busyness so much that uh, if you admit that you're not busy, it sounds as if you're an unproductive, unprofessional, and incompetent person, mm. and well, not very important. Yes. Well, that's exactly what an article by Tim Crider says in The Busy Trap, where it says that in our culture, busyness has become a virtue, and so people are terrified of hearing that they have empty time. And he says in this article, busyness serves as a kind of existential reassurance, a hedge against emptiness, Obviously, your life cannot possibly be silly or trivial or meaningless if you are so busy, completely booked in demand every hour of the day. So you're saying that we have to be crazy busy to feel significant? Well, there are two questions. Answer the one is, are we in fact busy or are we just pretending to be busy? Mm -hmm. And then why would we pretend to be busy? The answer for both, I think, is that, well, it's a very odd feature of our society that our society requires busyness of us. Mm -hmm. In fact, in that article, uh, he, he talks about a woman who had talked about the deformative effect of her environment, that mm -hmm. is. It's not that the individual decides to be this way, it is that our society makes us this way. Mm. Very powerful indeed. So I heard a little, a little boy asked how he was, and he said his answer was very busy. How old was this boy? Five years old. <laughs> but obviously that's what his parents said, so he thought this is what you had to be, very busy. Mm. So what do you think drives that? Well, what drives it, I think, uh, is the idea of capitalism that you want the optimum output from a unit. So the busier we are, the more valuable the are, we are. Um, but it also, I think, comes from a need to be affirmed by other people. So mm -hmm. although our uh, education system is meant to produce individualists who are free agents making their own decisions, in fact, we've produced a very strongly conformist society. Mm. And if there are 14 people in the room and 13 people have said how busy they are, then I feel the need to say, well, I'm busy too. I'm, I'm mm. part of this club. I'm one of the important people. What I do is important. Mm. I'm indispensable. I'm so busy. So our business problem isn't just simply a matter of better time management. No, it's not. No, that's exactly right. It's a deeper problem than that. Yeah. Mm. Although that could be a problem for some, if you just if you need a diary yeah. Yeah. and don't know how to turn up to meetings. So... We've explored some of the issues, but why are we busy? Well, we're busy because sometimes because we want to get ahead in life, we want to get promotion, mm -hmm. we want to make lots of money, and we see that the people who do that are people who are very busy mm -hmm. uh, and very responsible. So it could come from a desire for financial security. Mm -hmm. It could come from a desire for personal affirmation from other people and respect. It could come from a desire for sympathy. So, oh, you poor thing, you're so busy. Mm, How mm. sad that is. So a lot of different emotions, I think, pressure us to be busy, or at least look busy, mm. and act busy. Well, what's the problem with that? What's the problem with being busy? Well, and Looking busy and looking productive? Well, it's, it's an odd uh, thing to be in a kind of slavery to busyness. I don't think human beings are meant to be slaves to an ideal like that. Mm -hmm. It's as silly as this, this enslavement to look elegant or to be successful or powerful or something like that. They're all, they're all very demeaning slaveries. Mm. And I think for some people, uh, they get caught in a kind of vortex where 
they get so busy that it actually destroys their lives and their relationships. So people who are too busy are naturally impatient with others. Mm -hmm. People who are too busy don't have time for the deeper questions of life, uh, don't have time uh, to relate deeply to other people, uh, and I think eventually become boring and less productive. Because if all they talk, think about is their work, well, that's a, a not a very happy life, I think. Mm. But do you, you think we like it, though? We like being busy? Oh, yes. We're addicted to it. Like it's a, like being addicted like a, to exhilaration or adventure or something like that. Right, being addic addicted to yeah, busyness. That's right. But you're saying that it's also, it's not so much just being addicted to busyness, but it's being addicted to the what a busyness brings in terms of significance and affirmation, etc. It's what it brings and what you lose if you, do, if you aren't busy. So it has benefits and it has losses if you admit to being having an empty life. Mm. <laughs> well, then how can we tell if we're busy just because I've got lots to do or if I'm being busy to feel significant? Yeah. How can I discern the difference? That's a great question. I think yeah, you could ask the question, is your busyness productive? Is it purposeful and effective busyness? Mm -hmm. Or is it just you know, racing around like a headless chook or something like that right. uh, to use a happy image? Mm. Um, that is, some people are busy and it's entirely unproductive busy, but they just look busy. Right. Uh, a good question to ask is, is your busyness producing anything? Mm. Another question to ask is, is it destructive of you or of others? Mm. What about yourself? So you've admitted at times in your life you've been busy. Yeah. How have you coped or how have you reacted to that? Well, I don't know. It's, very, it's, it's part of being a perfectionist, I think, and being an ambitious person that... What I often do is write a list of things I have to do today. There are always 10 or 12 things on the list. There's only ever time to do five of them. Mm -hmm. So I end every day thinking, oh, I failed again. Mm. Mm. That's, that, that's, that's how busyness affects me. Exactly right. Well, sometimes I mean, it affects me sometimes when I write my to-do list. And at the end of the day, I've got more things on the list than I, when yeah, I started. Exactly right. You're losing. That's right. I'm lo yeah, You're so going backwards. Kind of, yeah. yeah. So is that kind of related to that vortex, I suppose. It is, it is. It feels right. like that busyness vortex. Yeah. So how do you cope? Well, one of the best things I've ever done, I think, in terms of dealing with that issue is to, uh, to trust God in whom I believe. Uh, I remember I, I write out prayers for myself to pray each day, prayers I need to pray every day. And one of them I wrote down was, Dear God, I trust that today you'll provide all the time and energy for me to do the good works you want me to do. Mm-hmm. And it had a dramatic change that very day because I remember I was driving to an appointment and I was driving more slowly. When I was ruled by my list, I was panicking, trying to get places, you know, frantically quickly to get there, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, which, of course, is not helpful for me, the car or the other pedestrians or drivers on the road. So I think I do recall that you mentioned that you do want people dead and there are often people on the roads yes, getting your right. way. Yes, no, I have re I'm repenting of that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I can now, with God's help and with intentionality, do a one and a half hours loving driving. Very good. Well, Mostly. you've just mentioned now that you're, you're, you obviously trust in God, you're a Christian believer. And as part of Bigger Questions, we reflect on the Bible because surprisingly to many, the Bible offers wisdom to help us live well. But before we do that, we're interested to hear about why you believe the scriptures are worth following. So, Peter, what convinced you to become a Christian believer? Well, it took me, uh, I wasn't brought up in a Christian family. It took me about five years to become a Christian. Mm -hmm. what, what took you so long? Or was that, I mean, not necessarily it takes a long time. Oh, no, I, th I think it takes most people four or five years, actually, to become a Christian. Right, yep. Um, 
Well, I think it was I had an inquiring mind. I wanted to read a lot and understand a lot. And partly there was no one around to help me. That is, I went along to church, but nobody ever sat down with me and said, you know, why are you here or <laughs> how can we help you? I, I just assumed to be belong to the club, and so that, that wasn't very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was converted when I was 16. And, so what was uh, it that convinced you, or what was it that made you think this is for me? Uh, somebody explained to me, a very kind minister explained to me, that being a Christian wasn't a matter of being sufficiently kind and good, uh, that I couldn't actually manage all the kindness and goodness needed. And what I had to do was trust in Jesus as the one who provided the kindness and goodness and my forgiveness. That was the moment for me. I remember it very clearly, the 3rd of June, 1963. Uh, and I went home and told my parents I'd become a Christian. And my dad said, well, you'll grow out of that. <laughs> and I still haven't. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for sharing that. Yeah, as well. It's that, a long time ago. It is. Um, it is a long time well, ago. The part of the Bible we're reflecting on today comes from the book of Proverbs. Now, Proverbs is a book from the Old Testament part of the Bible. It offers short, pithy insights into the nature of life and the world. And it offers practical, memorable wisdom for living life. Now, would you say that Proverbs was a bit like Twitter of the ancient world, wisdom found in just 140 characters? Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's really good. Yeah. It's practical daily wisdom. That's right. Observing life and learning from it and learning, getting wisdom from God. Well, there's a passage we'll look at right now, which is actually from Proverbs chapter 3, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Brilliant. How, how does that help with our busyness? Well, I think it means that ultimately we're not in control of our lives. God is. Mm-hmm. We're not in control of the universe. God is. And so the best thing is to trust the God who rules all things the right way. And it means that, we're, that, means that we can express dependence without feeling guilty. But, I mean, doesn't it sound a little bit a little bit like abdicating personal responsibility? Like, I just kind of let go, maybe just let God take control? It sounds like no. I don't take responsibility for my life? Yes. No, I, uh, I don't think of it that way. Um, and I think we've made a God of personal freedom and personal responsibility. So mm-hmm. having in our society, we've lost God running things. So then we have to make ourselves God. As uh, James Watson, a great scientist, said, if we don't play God, who will? Mm. So... Being God is quite a big responsibility if we try and do it ourselves. So you think that might drive our busyness? Absolutely. Because I'm in control. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Uh, and I was well, on the tram, tram coming down and there was a thing, why don't you, a note saying, why don't you care for the eastern barred bandicoot? And uh, if you watch enough television and hear enough, uh, go on enough trams, you feel guilty about everything because... <laughs> You know, there are people all around the world in great need. There are animals in need and sick penguins in Antarctica Antarctica and things like that. Lost sheep in uh, the Falklands. Mm -hmm. And you can feel, well, actually, I ought to be solving all those problems and I can't. But does that mean that we abdicate our responsibility? No, no, no. I throw my hands up, it's too hard. I'll just go and get back to playing Candy Crush. No, because in Genesis 1, which uh, which the Bible starts, uh, we read that God made humans in his own image and gave them responsibility but it wasn't total responsibility, it was dependent responsibility and accountable responsibility. So human beings, I think, have a most significant part to play in the universe. And uh, if I thought I was just a piece of cosmic dust or an accident, then I wouldn't quite know what to do. But Mm. I've got a God-given responsibility. I'm accountable to God for my time and energy and for my life. Mm. And I have to use it well. Mm. Is it hard 
to trust something or someone that you can't see? No, I don't find that. And in fact, if, if I look back at my years of living, I think I've learned to trust God more and more, to depend on him more and more, and to find that he's a trustworthy and reliable God, mm-hmm. that his plans are actually better than mine. I remember once having a great fight with God because I wanted to go back to work in England and not come back to Australia. And his reply was, well, you can apply for as many jobs as you like, you won't get them. (laughs) And I remember being furious, really angry with God. But now looking back, you know, 30 years later, I think, how wise he is. Mm. It was exactly the right thing to do. But before we talked a little bit about our needs to be busy to feel significant, how does trusting in the Lord overcome that? Well, as I, the, the prayer I gave you as an example, I, I, I did, and I do say it every day, I trust that you'll provide enough time and energy for me to do the good works you want me to do. So mm-hmm. rather than me thinking I must achieve all of this, I'm saying to God, well, you're a generous Heavenly Father. You won't give me more to do than I can actually do. So please give me the time and energy and the trust in you so that I do what you want me to do mm-hmm. rather than panicking and trying to do everything, mm-hmm. which is my default. And what if we're not a Christian believer? How can I trust the Lord then? Yes, it is. It's a difficult thing to do, but it might be worth giving it a try. It might be worth saying, well, God, I don't know if you exist or not, but I'm going to try trusting you for a week and telling you each day that I'm going to try trusting you and see what happens. Hmm. Uh, That's worth a go, I reckon. Hmm. Have you seen it happen to anyone? Yes, I have, yeah. What was the outcome? What did they find? Well, they came back at the end of the week and said, well, curiously enough, the week worked out quite well. (laughs) So I said, well, why do you think that is? (laughs) What did they say? Well, we went on with the discussion and so on. Oh, okay. There was no instant conversion, but I think it was a moment of wisdom for that person. Uh, Realising that maybe this invisible God could actually care for you. Yeah. That's right. And realise that they're in control, not you. Yeah. But we talked about now trusting the Lord, but would this appear to contradict another passage of Scripture, another tweet of ancient wisdom Indeed. in chapter 6 of Proverbs, which says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. So here the ant is praised for its industry and prudence. And ants don't have commanders or overseers, yet they store provisions for the future. And ants, they sound very busy. Uh, So don't we have a contradiction here? On one side we're saying, trust the Lord, then to be busy like an ant. Is this saying that maybe busyness is not always such a bad thing? Well, I love this proverb because one of my father's favourite words to me was sluggard, actually. Oh, really? Yes, he he, he often used used (laughs) that to me. The other was lounging like a lizard, I think, was the one that I remember particularly. Okay. Uh, Because he thought as an indolent teenager who wasn't doing his homework or something, I was a sluggard. So I'm very attracted to this one. Um, And I think some people need more of the trust in the Lord and some people need more of the go to the ant and Mm -hmm. consider the ant's ways. Mm -hmm. But I don't think they're in contradiction. I think that our motto ought to be not to work without trusting, nor trust without working. Because if I get down, you know, wake up in the morning and go down to breakfast and sit at the table waiting for breakfast to arrive, it won't. Mm. I have to get it. That's just, Mm. will God miraculously send me breakfast, (laughs) cook the toast and so on, butter it for me? put some jam. No, he won't. I have to do it. That's part of being a responsible human being in God's world. But uh, the trouble is we can get an imbalance. We can either head towards the ant thing, the ant proverb too much, which is what our society does, I think. We're all busy ants racing around Mm. and not enough trust. Mm. But the answer to that is not to trust God and not work. 
the answer is to work trusting God and to trust God and work. And by work, I don't just mean paid work, of course. I mean the daily work of living as well. Mm, the administration, know. paying the bills. Paying the bills, indeed. Yes, a good example. Now, often responses to busyness is to stop and take time out and go on a retreat or rest or something. Yet the average worker ant works some 19 hours per day. When they sleep, they sleep standing up and take power naps. So does the ant say something to the idea that the solution to being busy is to stop? Well, I think God has fortunately made ants uh, differently to human beings. Right. And we have more. We have more freedom of. I'm not, I'm not a specialist in ants, you understand, but I think we've got more freedom of thinking and decision making and responsibility. I, I think ants are kind of programmed to be ant-like mm-hmm. and be anti. Uh, <laughs> In the ways in which, well, anti, you know, I mean, anti, as in, that's right, yes, anti-ant. Whereas we're actually responsible to make good choices about our lives. And if I meet somebody who is, you know, genuinely just too busy, I say, you must take 24 hours off and look at your life and take responsibility for it and ask the question, is your busyness responsible? Uh, Does your busyness destroy your, distort your humanity? Does your busyness impair your relationships? Does your busyness diminish your productivity? Those are great questions to ask. Mm. A couple of questions have come in. So God sounds like he's got a good plan for me, but I have a boss who demands so much. What do I do? Well, that's a pretty common situation, I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. Um, Not if you work for the City Bible Forum in Melbourne. No, no, of course. No, no, no. no, 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 no. My colleagues, that's right. (laughs) right. Oh, I thought that's what it said. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, it doesn't. No, I'm sorry. Sorry, yeah. Uh, Well, that's the trouble that our society produces, uh, some bosses at least, who make unfair demands on their workers. And I say to a friend of mine, that's happening to her at present, I say when it's time to leave work, leave work. She's staying behind for three or four hours every night. I'm saying go home or resign, find a boss who doesn't make unreasonable demands. Mm. Because the trouble is if you have a very unreasonable boss and you give in to it, they'll just make more and more demands on you. So I heard one lawyer, a woman who said that she left for work at 7 in the morning and got home at 10 at night, and her legal firm provided a dinner every night because everybody did that. Mm. And, of course, she didn't see her children. And I said, you should resign. In that respect, if you do make that career choice, then it reflects the first aspect we've been talking about in trusting that God will provide. It also means you're trusting God to give you a life which is more than just work. Mm. Another question has come in as well. So how do you avoid wasting time on trivialities? Yes, that's the great problem. When you're too busy, you get caught in trivialities. And the other reason I do trivialities is because I'm putting off a difficult task. So what are your trivialities that you enjoy? Oh, well, I don't enjoy them, but I do them to kind of (laughs) delay the the stress of the difficult task. Right. And, of course, the delayed difficult task becomes more and more difficult the more you delay it. Yes. So one of my current rules of work is to do difficult tasks immediately mm. so they don't cloud my mental horizon. But there's a point at which trivialities are enjoyable, though. Uh, no, I don't find them particularly enjoyable. Oh, OK, maybe I'm just a superficial person. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, yes, well, there are different gifts and different insights. Uh, God makes people differently, of course. Certainly, yeah, yeah very that's trivial. Right. That's yeah, right. Sure. Yes. But I suppose other things like trivial things are maybe entertainment or sport or those sort of things. Like well, They're not trivial. Right. They're gracious gifts of our loving Heavenly Father. So maybe it comes down to defining what exactly is trivial and working Absolutely out. right. They're not trivial at all. Yes. I know. And okay. they're, maybe, they're, I'm, maybe I'm not so shallow after perhaps all. You, no, I don't know. <laughs> no, perhaps you're not. Uh, the proverb encourages us to consider the ant and to be wise. What does it mean to be wise? Well, wisdom is a great gift, I think. 
superficiality is the is the opposite of wisdom mm -hmm. and reaction to your environment that is just being pushed around by other people is the is a lack of wisdom it's foolishness rather than wisdom and i think we can be efficient but not wise I think God calls us to be wise as well as effective and efficient and productive, wise in our lives. As uh, de Gaulle, was, I don't know if this is true, but de Gaulle's meant to have said, the, the, uh, the, the cemeteries full of, are full of indispensable people. Mm. <laughs> and I thought afterwards when I heard that, well, actually, he ended up in a cemetery eventually too. So we're left with a, maybe not so much of a sinning paradox now. Trust in the Lord and take responsibility. Yeah, that's right. That's How do good. we negotiate that? Well, I think it's true of every area of life, not just work. So we're thinking about your future and retirement and old age and stuff like that. I think I must trust God about that, otherwise I panic. But I also have to take responsibility. I can't just say, well, God, I'm leave it up to you and I won't think about it. I have to make sensible choices about where I live and the kind of relationships I have and uh, which retirement village I choose and so on. So in that kind of area, I have to trust God Otherwise, I panic. But if I just say, well, I'll leave it up to God, then I'm being irresponsible and a nuisance for other people eventually. Mm. So, for example, uh, I've started clearing rubbish out of my house. I'm a great hoarder, but I think, well, you know, when I die, who's going to clean all that rubbish out? Mm. So I've started doing it slowly, mm. I must say, painfully, because I hate saying goodbye to things I like. But it's a responsible thing to do. It's not a sign of distrust. It's a sign of sensible responsibility and wisdom, I think. And perhaps when you make the decision that you trust God to the result. Yes, exactly right. Then yeah, you don't have right. to feel regret that's or anything right. like yes, that yes. afterwards. I trust God that I can do without this, whatever it is. I'm. What sort of things have you been throwing out? Or oh, can you e share? Even books. I took three big boxes of books and uh, gave them away. Uh, I got rid of a harpsichord, which I wasn't playing often enough. And I thought, well, if I'm not playing it often enough now, I won't play it in the future. So I got rid of it. I've still got the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't put them in a box. No, no. Right. <laughs> okay. So, Peter, <laughs> crazy busy. Yeah. How can we live amidst the busyness of life? Well, I think a great contribution to make to your workplace and to other people, your fellow workers, and to your spouse, if you have one, or to your family and to your neighbourhood is not to be crazy busy. It's actually a way of loving your neighbour as well as loving yourself. <laughs> I think not to be crazy busy. And nobody else can solve this for you. That is, nobody else can order your life around. No other person can do it. Uh, I don't have one boss. I have what's now called a portfolio of tasks, I think. So there's no one to say to me, you're too busy. I have to take responsibility. And I think most of us have to do that. Uh, if we have a boss who's demanding too much of us, we have to stop them doing that. Uh, and if we have a boss who's not demanding enough of us, then we have to try and take responsibility and work effectively for them. In the end, I suppose it comes back to well, trust in the Lord and yeah. go to the ant. That's right. Trust in the Lord and take responsibility. Yeah. Let me leave you with the Bible's answer to the big question, how can we live amidst the busyness of life? From Proverbs 6.6. 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways, and be wise. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Please thank our guest today, Peter Adam. Thank you. Enjoy Bigger Questions? You can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show go to patreon.com slash bigger questions.